Welcome to another edition of the Celebrant Talk Show. Uh, if you really, 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 really love the show and you're not using accounting software, then please use the accounting software that supports us. Fresh books, I'll tell you more about it at the end of the show. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Celebrant Talk Show. This is me, Sarah Ann, and I have, as always, with me, Josh Withers. I have no idea what's going on in the world. <laughs> Pleasure to see you. Some of you may or may not know that Josh has been on holiday for the last couple of weeks, which has been very lovely for him and very jealous-making for people like me who are living vicariously through his lovely holiday photos. Uh, so that means that Josh was not here when our whole world changed on the 7th of December, and Josh is kind of just figuring out what's going on now. Yeah. Oh, and look, I was lucky enough to be um, – I was actually doing weddings on the 7th and the, or the or 7th and the 8th of December in a country that had already gotten through this marriage equality bullshit, so, so – I was I was ahead of the game, <laughs> but yeah. I, look, I, obviously, I know what's going on, but I don't know what's going on. Like, I know what's going on, but I don't know what's going on. Does that make sense? <laughs> we have known unknowns and unknown unknowns. <laughs> yeah, well, and look, I've got to be honest with you. This is very strategic. I had a I had a full plan. I thought, look, I'm, I'm reading the news. I, I know we've got marriage equality. I know what the monotone is, um, and, and I've read the emails from every. Uh, association, AGD, BDM in the last couple of weeks, but I haven't like, and in the same way I've read them, but I haven't read them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought I'm going to save this for the podcast and I'm going to play the role of, um, and, and this isn't a derogatory thing, but every stupid celebrant that, that doesn't know what's going on. And when I say stupid celebrant, as I said, not a derogatory, but I'm just going to play the role of the celebrant that doesn't know what's going on. I'm going to ask Sarah a bunch of stupid questions about marriage equality in Australia, and maybe that would be helpful for everyone. Absolutely. And look, you know, there are celebrants I know out there who have not caught up with the fact that the world has changed and have not whether they haven't received the email, whether they're not in associations, whether they don't have a network, I don't really know why. Some of them just haven't caught up with the changes. Some of them have, you know, uh, uh, it's December and it's Christmas and it's the end of the year and there's too much else to think about. I completely understand that. So hopefully we can give, I can give, an overview of exactly where we're at. So, Sarah, the first question I've got is, is Australian society now destroyed forever and we're all destined for a life of hell and gayness? <laughs> now, I know that you weren't here, Josh, but on the 7th of December at 6 o'clock p.m., which was approximately the time at which the uh, legislation went through the House of Representatives, it was absolutely bucketing down with rain in Melbourne. And there were some people who were like, yes, the heavens have opened and here comes the apocalyptic flood because, <laughs> because marriage equality has gone through. And then there were other people who went, see, it went through and it rained a little bit and we're all good. No apocalyptic flood, we're all fine. I have to admit that I was sitting in my car when the final vote went through. I was waiting to meet a friend on Chapel Street in Windsor for dinner and I got out of my car and I walked onto Chapel Street and I kind of thought there would be dancing in the street. But unfortunately, there was nothing. People were just going about their days like it was a normal day. And I was walking around like with a massive grin on my face. And I think people must have been looking at me going, what is she on? So nothing changed in the vast majority of people's worlds. Everything changed for those of us who work in the industry in terms of, well, particularly us celebrants. But no, the world has not gone to crap. We are not all it's not the apocalypse. We're all good. Is my marriage less valid now, now that I'm a male married to a female? I bloody hope not, but that's a discussion for you to have with Brit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question. <laughs> um, so, so on the day um, that the, the law was passed... Um, like, 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 what's the big change? So, 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 we're not talking about weddings and ceremonies and paperwork. What, what was the significant change from the Marriage Act the day before to the day after? So, the biggest change is that marriage in Australia is no longer defined with anything to do with gender. So, previously, marriage in Australia was the union of a man and a woman. 
Now marriage in Australia is the union of two people. That's the biggest change. Really, that's the only change. So, Did the religious celebrant thing happen? Yes, the religious celebrant thing did happen. So what happened there, and we we have touched on this briefly in a previous podcast, but I am going to talk about it again because it's super important. So previously there were three categories of celebrants. Category uh, A from memory is uh, religious celebrants who belong to a recognised uh, religion or a um uh, mainstream religion, so uh, Catholic priests, um, Muslim imams, those sorts of things, people who belong to a large part of a religion that is recognised as such by the Australian government. So that's Section A. Those people have always been protected under the Marriage Act that they don't have to do any weddings that their religious doctrine doesn't allow. That's always been in there and that was never going to change. So that was for priests. Uh, subsection B is the state and territory offices. So if you get married at the registry office in Melbourne, there's a bunch of people in there who are uh, salaried employees of the Victorian state government and they are section B. Section C is us, authorised marriage celebrants, Commonwealth registered marriage celebrants. That's those of us who are appointed by the to the Commonwealth Government to uh, undertake civil marriages under the Marriage Act 1961. So this new legislation or the amendment to the current legislation created a fourth category, D, called religious marriage celebrants. Uh, So previously C, which is us, also included religious celebrants who were part of smaller sects, if you like, of religions. So there might, you know, like the, what's that? Jedi warriors. That one. That's the one. Jedi warriors or other things that are not recognised as as religions or as uh, religious sects Which by the, is a by the government. Because how many other religions have had a blockbuster <laughs> movie made about them this year? Zero. Zero other religions. So I'm just calling Zero. bullshit on the Jedi thing, okay? <laughs> so th- it's not just Jedi. So there are a lot of uh, celebrants in that category who, for example, belong to a small sect of the Christian church, which isn't Anglican or Baptist or Catholic or whatever the other ones are. It's a small group that have their own sort of, you know, offshoot beliefs of and their own readings of the Bible and those sorts of things. Because their denomination is not recognised by the Australian government, they can't be under Section A. They can't be priests under Section A, but they can be. They can become celebrants of essentially non-recognised denominations. So those people have always been in C. So D, the new category D, automatically moved all of those people over into D. So all those people who were who were previously religious celebrants sitting in Section D because they didn't belong to a big church, they've got a letter saying you've automatically been moved to Section D, religious marriage celebrants. Anyone in the civil marriage celebrant subsection can also, within 90 days, so by the 8th of March, fill in a form and send it to the Attorney General's Department saying, I want to be a religious marriage celebrant because I have a religious objection to same-sex marriage and I don't want to have to carry out same-sex marriages, so therefore I'm going to become part of Section D. Now, this is like a grandfathering clause. It's only available for current civil marriage celebrants who were appointed before the 9th of December, and it's only open for three months. So people have to put that in writing and send it off to the Attorney General's Department within three months, and then if they therefore refuse to do a same-sex marriage, they are protected from anti-discrimination laws. This is not going to be available for any new celebrants and it's not uh, it's not going to be available to people who are dithering and going, oh, do I want to be a religious marriage celebrant or don't I? you got three months and it's only for current ones. So that's it. But those religious marriage celebrants will be protected because they can refuse to solemnise a marriage if their religious beliefs do not allow them to solemnise the marriage. Now, there's been some discussion about 
What if I have a personal belief against same-sex marriage that's not religious? I didn't actually think that was a thing. I don't, I, I'm, but, but it is. And some of the amendments that were debated in Parliament before the legislation was passed were about giving all civil celebrants protection uh, from anti-discrimination laws, it, whether they had a personal belief or a religious belief, uh, but that was knocked down. So it was decided that it was only if you, if you were happy to state that you had a religious belief that meant that you weren't prepared to do a same-sex marriage, you could go on this list. There's been some angst about, well, you know, those people who are on that list, but what if they have a friend who contacts them that's a same-sex couple? Are they still allowed to allowed to do that marriage? My argument is they've put their hand up and they've said, I don't believe in same-sex marriage. I don't think it's a thing and I don't think it should be a thing. So I can't see too many same-sex couples contacting them, asking them to do their but wedding. But can they legally? So if you're on that um, the, the religious marriage celebrants list, if you have a change of heart, if you whatever it might be, can you marry a gay person or a gay I couple? I can't see anything that says you can't. I can't find anything that says you will not be allowed to marry a same-sex couple. What this is doing is allowing you to say, I won't marry a same-sex couple, but be protected from the Sex Discrimination Act. So, yeah, correct. It's There's nothing in there that says they can't but they do have to advertise as a religious marriage celebrant. So there's now advertising requirements that say that that if you are in that list, in in list D, you do have to say in all of your advertising that you are a religious marriage celebrant. Do we know what the uh, Jedi religion's position is on marriage equality? Do not know. Would be interested to find (laughs) out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All righty. So... So uh, lay out the timeline for when things can and can't happen, uh, just like just for historical purposes, um, like what, what dates and timings are related to marriage equality coming into power. Because we, we, we record this at midday on the 22nd of December 2017. Yes. So obviously marriage equality uh, has come into being already, which is amazing. So... For those of you who've been sort of following this, the, you know, marriage equality has been a thing that's been argued about in Australian politics for years, years upon years. I remember talking about it um, on a terrible date in mid-2012. And, you know, he said, oh, marriage equality won't be a thing for five years, so why are we bothering to argue about it? And I was like, dude, no. But he was totally right, which is very sad. Anyway, um, so... The 7th of December is when the legislation was changed. At about five minutes to six, the vote went through the House of Reps. It passed through the the Senate a couple of weeks before that. I had anticipated through all my many conversations with people who know things and everything that I'd read that we would wait a further 28 days until that amendment was enacted. I understand it took four months for it to be enacted in New Zealand and six months in Ireland. So I really didn't think this was going to happen before January. And everyone I spoke to was in the same kind of thought that, you know, they might make, they might vote on it on the 7th of December, but we won't actually be doing notice of intended marriage until January. I was really wrong. We were all really wrong about that. So the media on the Thursday night, the 7th of December, was that George Brandis, the then Attorney General, was reporting that uh, celebrants would be able to sign notices of intended marriage from the 9th of uh, December, which would mean there would be marriages from the 9th of January. And I was still saying, okay, guys, settle down. We haven't actually had anything in writing. And then he released a press release. So on the Attorney General's website, there was a press release on the evening of Thursday, the 7th of December, which laid out those dates saying that the legislation would take effect from midnight on the Friday the 8th or 12.01am on Saturday the 9th and that this was the timeline. So this was cool and exciting and amazing. I still didn't think we'd have any weddings till January because I was pretty certain that no BDM was going to be offering a shortening of time. But as we've seen, that has happened. We'll get to that. So at 11 a.m. on Friday, the 8th of December, 
all celebrants, actually 11.06 a.m. is when my email is dated, all celebrants, civil celebrants in Australia under Section C and all BDMs, state BDMs, received an email from the marriage celebrant section of the Attorney General's Department outlining the changes to the Marriage Act 1961. And that's pretty much when all hell broke loose. (laughs) So basically they gave us lots of information and people started freaking out and I sat on Facebook answering questions for eight hours. Um, and I'm still answering questions today, which is totally fine. So what that email said is that from 12.01 a.m. on Saturday, the 9th of December, 2017, those amendments to the Marriage Act would take effect. Uh, and that therefore all of the forms that we were currently using had to be changed and the wording in the ceremonies had to be changed. So that was joyous for people who had marriages on the Saturday because suddenly they had to print new documents and all those sorts of things. I didn't have any weddings that day, so it was less of a stress for me, but I did accept three notices of intended marriage on that Saturday, the 9th of December, which was pretty cool. One of them was for a same-sex marriage. So that's that was kind of the timeline. The 9th of December was the first date that we could accept notices of intended marriage and it was the first date we had to use the new marriage certificate uh, for weddings and the new ceremony wording. We expected then that the first weddings would be on the 9th of January, but a whole bunch of couples managed to get shortenings of time, which is amazing. Now, there's been sort of two categories of shortenings that have been approved for same-sex couples. One has been there's a few couples that have been together for many, many years and one of them is terminally ill and death is imminent and they've had a shortening of time approved so that they could get married before one partner died. I totally agree with that. That's what a shortening of time is for. And then the other category that's been Uh, approved has been people who were already planning a commitment ceremony, knowing that it wasn't going to be a legal ceremony and possibly had family members flying in from overseas or things like that. And they've also had shortenings approved. So the first same-sex marriages in Australia took place on Saturday, the 16th of December. The very first one was at two o'clock in Sydney. The second one that I know of was at four o'clock in Melbourne. And there's been a handful since then. So this all happened much quicker than anybody expected it to, and that's the timeline. And I'm, honestly, I'm kind of excited about those couples who got the shortening time. Like, like they're the real MVP <laughs> in, in that uh, – because um, there, there was – so much uh, wedding industry, celebrant industry, be the first, be the first, sunrise on, on the 9th of January and everyone's going to look excited. And Midnight like, on yeah, the 9th of yeah, January. And, and, and look, that's I know I know that's all with a good heart. There's no one got any malicious intent in that. But I, um, I, I purposely took a whole step back from that because I just didn't want to be part of the side shot like, ah, gay people. <laughs> I, I – because – I, I wanted to just really, um, uh, like, I knew that would happen. I just didn't want to be a part of that sideshow, and so I wanted, uh, I wanted there to be an opportunity for um, for couples to just marry organically. And so, like, I'm, I'm marrying a few couples that I've already done uh, civil um, ceremonies for, or even just commitment ceremonies. Sorry, civil union ceremonies for, or commitment ceremonies. And uh, I met with one of those today, and then so I'm just signing them over. But I, I've kind of, I didn't want to be a part of that bull rush of like, ah, I just wanted to let it happen. And I'm kind of glad that the that those um, couples were given short end times, and this kind of trumped everyone that was getting all pumped up for December nine. I thought that was just awesome. I thought, yeah, go you. I have to say, I'm a little bit torn about the shortenings. Um, I'm all for the shortenings for where one couple's terminally ill, because I believe that's what the shortening process is really for. But the ones where people were planning ceremonies. My understanding of the shortening of time provision is that if you were planning a ceremony and you've spent lots of money on your wedding, but you didn't know about the one month's notice period, then you could get a shortening. Or if you had people coming from overseas and suddenly you decided that while they were here, you wanted to get married because they might not come again for five five years and you don't have time in the period of time while they're here to give 
notice, then you can get a shortening. I didn't believe that the shortening provisions allowed for it wasn't legal for you to give a shortening, to give notice a month before your ceremony. And I, I, I'm a little bit torn that 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 those things have been approved by BDMs around the country because I do know of circumstances pre all of this where, for example, a couple has had one party terminally ill who's given six six weeks to live and BDM's gone, well, you've got time to give a month's notice then. Oh, that's a bit shit. That's- you know, so when when you compare those two things, to me, I'm a little bit torn. I'm thrilled for the couples that they could get legally married while all of their family and friends were there and all of that. I'm thrilled for them. I just am torn about the way the shortening provisions have been applied in these situations. And, and I suppose here's the thing with the shortening of time is that um, uh, if you if you ask any celebrant and if you if you ask around people to talk about it, they feel that there's this very um, clinical, very binary, black and white, like yes, no, and and so before you even apply for the shortening of time, we already know the answer. And for for, for most of us, like uh, you know, we, you, you and I get these phone calls every second day. Um, hey, my boyfriend's about to have to go back to a country that's overseas. We just want to get married. And I'm like, well, I don't think you're going to get a shortening of time for that. But I'm also I'm not at liberty to make a ruling. I have to tell them, like, I, I don't think you would. You're welcome to apply for one. You're welcome to fill out an annoying for me with me and you're welcome to take it to the um, uh, the authorised person that can um, approve a short time, but I don't think you would. And so, but, but the thing is, there's no, there's no prescribed, like... Uh, there's no publicly available like yes no list. There's there's the five reasons that they give that they believe will be allowed, but it's it's just um it's it's at the discretion of the prescribed um uh, what's the authority. word prescribed authority prescribed authority yeah. Um, yeah. And and so so I totally get where you're at. Like I understand yeah, that. Yeah, and it's at their discretion to interpret it. And I've even had I've had couples, you know, pre all of this who've gone in one day and spoke to one person and had a shortening declined, and gone in the next day and spoken to the person at the desk next to them and had it approved. So yeah, exactly. I mean, it really is at their discretion. Yeah, and and then that's that's the thing with discretion. So, um, if you are in a civil union. What's the what's the process to go from civil to married? Is there like do you automatically become married? So for those people who don't know, because civil unions aren't a thing in every state, many state governments have a civil union or recognised relationship or the civil partnership scheme, which you can go in and sign a form in BDM. Uh, or essentially you apply to have a, a civil partnership. You don't have to have a ceremony in most states. I know that in Queensland you could have a ceremony, but you didn't have to. Uh, and that gave you certain rights in the state that that civil union was a thing. As soon as you cross the border, it's no longer relevant. It doesn't have any standing, didn't have any standing. So this was at least a way for many same-sex couples to have their relationship registered with the government and which would give them access to some of the benefits of a married couple. Now, my understanding is that in every state that has a civil union partnership, whatever scheme, getting married automatically makes that civil union go away. So you don't have to actually fill in a form to say, I don't want the civil union anymore because I'm going to get married. You just get married and it, and it dissipates. But civil unions in and of themselves are a state-based tool and marriage, as we've discussed previously, is a Commonwealth tool. So therefore, you don't automatically become married if you have an Australian state civil union. You have to go through a federal marriage ceremony and paperwork, etc., to actually become married. Okay. Excellent. Um, what if you were married overseas as a, as a a couple, um, that couldn't get married in Australia? Um, uh, if, if you, so for example, you're uh, two guys that that were married in New Zealand last year. Um, I already know the answer. Yes. It's now recognized in Australia, but okay. (laughs) But but the question I wanted to ask on behalf of all of my friends that don't know, um, is that recognised in Australia? And if so, from when? So, yes, that all of those same-sex marriages in other jurisdictions, in New Zealand or in America or wherever else, uh, it, was rec- it was legal. 
those marriages all became recognised in Australia from 12.01am on Saturday the 9th of December. They were automatically recognised from that moment on, which is amazing. So not only is this amazing for couples who got married and now like they're now they're legal in Australia, which is great. It's also really good for couples who got married overseas however many years ago and have since separated. Yeah, because now they can get divorced. Because now they can get divorced. And while this sounds like a ridiculous thing to be celebrating, this is actually really great. So basically if a couple got married in New Zealand three years ago and they separated there was there was no way for them to get divorced. You can't get divorced in a country where your marriage isn't recognised. So their marriage wasn't recognised here, therefore they couldn't get divorced. In order to get married divorced in New Zealand, you have to be a resident of New Zealand. So the only way you could get your New Zealand marriage dissolved was to go and live in New Zealand for what, 12 months or something, I think? Which isn't a bad idea. It's a pretty good place to live. Sure, lovely. But if your business and your life is here in Australia, a little bit tricky for the purposes of getting divorced. Okay, you got me there. Yeah. So, So this is actually really great. And I know that around the 10th of December, some media hit about there's a, a female couple in Perth who will be likely the first same-sex couple to get divorced. Bless. Um, That's great. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, this is a big thing and some people have said to me, uh, so if they get married overseas and they've since separated, do they need to get divorced? Or, like, can they just say, oh, well, the marriage wasn't recognised so we're just not married anymore? No, no, no. You have to get divorced. You, you can't. Your marriage is now recognised. You can't just say we don't want the marriage to be a thing anymore, so we're dissolving it. That's that. It doesn't work. Same-sex couples who got married overseas now, if they no longer want to be in that marriage, need to go through a formal divorce process through the Australian courts. Um, alrighty. Uh- I, I want to move on to the celebrant side of it, talking paperwork and ceremony. But uh, are there any more kind of just before we get to paperwork and ceremony? Um, anything else that, like, any questions you've been asked in the group or emailed or anything like that that, that might be appropriate to the kind of the lawful, the passing of the acts? Anything that I've missed? I don't think so. I think we've covered all of it. Yeah, really. Now it's the celebrant relevant stuff. Did we cover where the society was doomed? I forget we did. We did cover it. Good. <laughs> we did that one. Yeah. Armageddon has not arrived. It's not the apocalypse. Yeah. Marriage is what brings us together today. Um, okay. So I am a, um, I'm a marriage celebrant today and it's the 22nd of December and I'm meeting a couple. Can I use my old book of Noim or my old uh, collection of paper noims, or for example, if I'm using the Queensland, New South Wales, or Victorian BDM software, um, which all three of them, oh no, Victorian has they come have, over, yep. hasn't it? Um, but Queensland, New South Wales haven't they, they updated haven't, yet? Haven't gone gay yet? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, can I can I can I use the noims that note bridegroom no. and bride? In a word, no. So this is relevant for, A, anyone who's got paperwork floating around, which all of us will have. I had a whole bunch of old noims floating around that have gone in the recycling bin. Uh, So it's also relevant for anyone who had sent a noim to a couple but hadn't received it back yet. So you know how sometimes it's hard for us to meet with couples because you live in Queensland and they live in Sydney or whatever, Uh, so it's hard for them to come and lodge the notice with you in person and to have you sign, witness their signatures in person. So what we can do in that state is send the couple a noim, have them fill it out, print it out and take it to, for example, a police station to have their signatures witnessed by an appropriate witness as outlined on page four of the norm. But those, if it was on the old form, those norms would have had to be lodged with the celebrant by 11.59 PM on Friday, the 8th of December to be valid. So if, so I know of quite a few people who the couple had gone off and got it signed. They'd signed it in front of an appropriate witness. They'd paid money to do that but they hadn't sent it to the celebrant yet. 
and it didn't hit the celebrant's inbox, say, until the 9th of December or the 10th of December, they have to go do it again on the new form because those form, it doesn't become lodged until it hits the celebrant's inbox or mailbox or however they're doing it. So therefore, any old forms that are still floating out there are no longer valid. So this has caused some a little bit of angst. It's caused some angst with, I know, one couple in particular who are, this is now a problem for their one-month notice period because they live in a rural area and they have to travel, you know, however many hours to get to someone who can witness the norm. And they had done that on the 8th of December, but they didn't send the norm to the celebrant until the 9th. They're wanting to get married on the 8th of January, uh, which they could have done if they'd sent it on the 8th, but uh, or sorry, the 9th of January they want to get married on, so they'd sent it on the 9th. Uh, but now that form's not valid. So it's a now they won't, they're going to have to travel again to get a witness, blah, blah, and they won't be able to get married on the 9th. So this is a problem, but it's it's just how it is. Uh, I did have a query from a celebrant today who had uh, signed an old copy of the Notice of Intended Marriage with a couple on the 11th of December which obviously is no good. She spoke to BDM in Victoria and they advised her to write a stat deck outlining that she had done the wrong thing. She was very sorry about that, but would they accept the old version of the notice? Because the couple's getting married on the 18th of January and today's the 22nd, so it was too late for her to do a new notice. Uh, So I suspect that... BDMs will be not lenient, but they will accept old norms to a certain point if there's a stat deck with it, but I wouldn't be relying on that. Get rid of your old norm forms, just throw them out so you're not tempted to use them. For people who use the BDM online systems in New South Wales and Queensland, for people who use software packages such as Celebrant Suite, Celebrant Briefcase, none of those have been updated yet. So you can't use... You can't enter the document, the information on those packages and print out a NOIM because it will print out on the old NOIM form. So your only option at this stage is to download the new NOIM from the Attorney General's Department website. And from memory, it's www.ag.gov.au forward slash marriage forms or forward slash marriage forward slash forms, something like that. If you um, Google for marriage forms, you'll find it. Well, well that, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. So if you yeah, go to celebrant.fm, all the link, everything we mentioned in this episode, links, whatnot, we'll put in absolutely. there. So uh, you have to download the the, the new norm from that form. The new norm is pretty hideous. They've shoved in two new lines, a new line that says, does the party want to be called groom, bride or partner? And a new line that says, is the party male, female or non-gender specific? And they've shoved those lines in, which means they've had to make other lines smaller and the address line is now the smallest line ever and there's not a lot of space to write in there. Your best bet is to download the Word version and fiddle a bit with the table margins. I know everybody doesn't have time for that and it's annoying. It's bullshit. And it's really really a bit crap. The PDF is a writable PDF, but it doesn't expand the cells when you, the fields, when you write in them. So. And and it's got this weird, like like I did it this morning. And even if it's a single line, like you just put it to a single line, you move to the next field, that the the text in the line moves up underneath the border of the previous field. It's, It's really terrible. So we've been expecting new forms since January 2015. So I firmly believe that new forms are still coming uh, and that's why these interim forms are not very pretty because they haven't spent a lot of time and energy uh, making them look great because new another new set of forms is coming. We did kind of think that the whole reason that they weren't telling us when the new forms was going to be released was because they were waiting for marriage equality, yada, yada. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So what has actually changed on the notice of intended marriage? There's three major changes. The first one is that instead of saying bridegroom and bride at the top of the columns, it now says party one and party two. This means that your couples can choose who wants to be one and who wants to be two. You don't have to put, for a heterosexual couple, you don't have to put the male in the left column and the female in the right column anymore. Do whatever you like. 
put them on whichever side. The second change is they've jammed in a line called description of party. So every single party gets to be gets to choose whether they want to be described as groom, bride, or partner. And it's totally up to them. Now, the fact sheet that was released with these did say that uh, in terms of recording a description, parties have age. It is up to each party which descriptor they prefer. That to me says they can choose any descriptor they want. It then goes on to say the descriptor groom can be used by a male party and bride can be used by a female party, regardless of the sex or gender of the other party. A lot of people have read that to say that all males must record groom and all females must record bride. I don't read it like that. It says can, it doesn't say must. It also says it's up to each party which descriptor they prefer. So I already have a lesbian couple where one of them has chosen to be described as groom and the other as bride, and that's their choice. That's the way I read that fact sheet, that they can choose which one they want to be. And the third main change is that they've inserted a gender uh, line. It's called sex. I actually think it should be called gender, but... That's another because it's you, know, you read sex and you're like yes please. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> no. Oh right, that's sorry. I didn't know. It's my first day celebrating. <laughs> sex describes a biological thing. You know, you you can't. Most people are biologically male or biologically female. Gender is about the way a person identifies, and that's why it's important that this should actually say gender. Because, for example, there are some people who are biologically male who identify as female. All of their documentation says female. They would be able to be listed as female on this on this notice of intended marriage. So I believe that should say gender, but that's another issue altogether. So here it says sex, that's question four, it says male, female, or X. This is not something that the parties can choose. They don't get to say I feel like a male today, so I'm going to write that on the form. We have to choose, we have to select whichever gender is written on their documentation. So generally either a birth certificate or a passport uh, or a statement from a registered medical practitioner or a registered psychologist. But generally whichever gender is on their passport or birth certificate is what you should record on the notice of intended marriage. That may or may not be the gender they were, that they were born in or that they are biologically, but that is what they are legally considered to be, male, female, or X. And X can be uh, people who are gender non-binary, people who are intersex, people who just simply don't identify as male or female. But that's not something they get to choose. I've had some couple, some celebrants say, oh, I really enjoyed joking with the, with the groom and saying, do you want to be male or female? That's not, we can't choose that one. We can choose in question one, description of party. We can't choose in question four, sex. I hope that makes sense to everyone. There's some really great information in the guidelines uh, to the Marriage Act about how to identify gender and everybody should read that because it's very helpful and we'll put up the page number for that in the show notes. Uh, well, and so, so question on that note, um, has there been a new guidelines to the Marriage Act issue? No, not yet, and there won't be until next year. Uh, the advice that we have from the Attorney General's Department, which I've received through the AFCC, the association, is that, no, there's no new guidelines just yet. Um, this is part of the problem with, I suppose, rushing it at the door is uh, like, I'm, I'm willing to bet. 80% of the norms that have been signed this week, old norms. Like, and and, and as a BDM, Absolutely. particularly in New South Wales and Queensland, they're allowing you to log in today um, and and uh, type in the information, print it a norm, yeah, have it signed. Totally, which is extraordinary because they should have somehow I, – I understand that, they, that you can still log in so that you can register marriages that were on, you know, previous forms and things like that, but they should have turned off the print function or something like that at the very least so that you couldn't print old forms. So, yeah, I, I, this is part of the problem. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, the problem isn't the right word. Like, it was, it's, it's, in no way do we want to shroud the excitement of marriage equality and marriage being made available to other people. Like, that's exciting and whatnot. And, and it shouldn't have been slowed down. But there's this, there, there is bureaucracy in marriage registration. There's laws and there's paperwork and there's systems. Um, uh, like it's it's funny like a like I've I'm, I'm literally hours back in the country multiple hours but like I'm fresh into the country and and I haven't had a chance yet to go through my website and make sure that um, everything because I'm uh, in this point I'm not just talking about being gender like marriage equality friendly but I know for a fact there are older blog posts on my website that read that mention the old monotone yes. um, in fact if you if you google the word monotone one of my blog posts is the front page I'm like it's the old flipping monotone yeah. <laughs> and I, and, and I, I was, literally, I, was overseas, I couldn't change it. I literally found one uh, two days ago when I was putting up because I have a series on my blog of uh, people's unidentified vows, and there's a link in that to an old post which outlines all the legalities of getting married in Australia. And I went, "Oh crap! I'd better fix that." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so you know, I had to update an old uh, an old blog post to to the new stuff. So. Yes, absolutely. I suppose my concern is that this stuff, this has been coming. Marriage equality has been inevitable for, you know, a long time. And I'm a little bit concerned that the bureaucracy was not prepared, that that something hadn't been going on in the background to make sure that this was all ready to go. Because the Attorney General's office was, was obviously ready to go. The Commonwealth Government was ready, was ready to go. The fact that they had all these fact sheets and new forms and all that sort of stuff ready to send out at 11am on the 8th of December means that they had been working behind the scenes to make this stuff happen. And I'm a little bit shocked that the BDMs haven't. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. So those are the changes to the Notice of Intended Marriage. Um, The other document that has changed is the Official Certificate of Marriage, which is the one that the couple sign that you send off to BDM, and it's also the one that the couple sign for our records. Some people have that second copy for our records just on a piece of paper because they printed it off from Celebrant Suite or from BDM or et cetera. Some people have the big red book called the Marriage Register. Though that marriage register, the certificates in there are no longer valid, no longer valid. So if you want to keep using the red book because you like the theatre of the red book, you like it as a prop, you think it looks nice, whatever, what you have to do is download the new marriage certificate off the Attorney General's website, fill it in and stick it in the red book, whether that's with glue or staples or whatever else, double-sided tape stick it in the red book. And there are a lot of people who want to do that because they like the red book and that's okay. That's That's their prerogative. It's totally fine. I don't. I hate it. I hate it too, but that's okay. (laughs) The important thing though is that they can't use the forms in the red book. And I've had a lot of people say to me, but it's just my record. It's just my copy. It shouldn't matter. And I said to them, the reason that we keep a copy is in case the documents go missing between us putting them in the mailbox and reaching birth, deaths and marriages. If the documents that we send off, the Noim and the Don Lim and the certificate go missing, BDM is going to ask us for, for a copy of our copy, which is the register. If we send them a copy of our register and it's the old form, we're going to get in trouble. So don't do that. Yes, it's just your copy, but your copy is there for a reason. So you can't use the old copy. The only change on the new form is the descriptor of the party. So the new certificate of marriage does not have the gender line in it. It only has the party description line in it. So the one that says groom, bride or partner. That still must be filled in. Uh, Even if you've got a noim that's on the the pre-9th of December form, which doesn't have that line, when you do your marriage certificate, it needs to have that line. And I've had some people say to me, well, but how do I know? Because we filled in the norm before this was a thing. So how do I now know whether they want to be groom, bride or partner? You need to ring and ask them or email and ask them. It's that simple. But you must fill it in. You can't leave it blank because the norm doesn't have that information. So, yeah. 
The uh, the third form that's been changed uh, is the certificate of faithful performance by an interpreter, and again, the only change on that is from bridegroom and bride to party one and party two. The declaration of no legal impediment to marriage has not changed. It has not changed at all because it doesn't actually refer to bride or bridegroom on there anywhere. However, the Marriage Act requires that the declaration of no legal impediment to marriage, also known as the Donlim, must be printed on the back of the official certificate of marriage, also known as the OCM. The Marriage Act requires that those two documents be printed back to back. Now, there's no BDM in the country that cares about that, but we're, we're not ruled by BDM. We're ruled by the Attorney General's Department and they require that those documents are back to back. So even though you can use an old Donlim, it has to be printed on the back of a new certificate. So if you had a Donlim that was signed before the 9th of December and it was printed on the back of an old certificate of marriage, you have to redo the whole thing. You have to reprint the Donlim on the new certificate of marriage and have the couple re-sign the Donlim before the ceremony. This is obviously not for ceremonies that have already happened. That must be They must be signed before the ceremony. So just to recap, the Donlim hasn't changed, but it has to be printed on the back of the certificate of marriage, which has changed, so you need to do them again. Gosh, this is so simple and easy, isn't it? <sighs> oh. <laughs> I mean, when it boils down, it, like it is easy, but there's just a lot of moving parts that need to be thought about. So that's the changes to the forms. Does that all make sense? No, but we can move on. <laughs> we can move on. Okay. Can we, can we just, just riff on that? Like this, um, even when we changed forms the last time, when was that, like 2014? It was July 2014. Yeah. Um, there was the, was there a six month? There was a grace I think period. It was a six month period. Yes. Um, yeah. We, That's right. There was a six month period over which we could use the old forms in, and the idea was that we could use up our old stock. The reason that we don't have such a grace period this time is that the form has actually substantively changed. It now asks for more information than was asked for previously. So when we had the last form. The new form didn't ask for any different information. It asked for it in slight, you know, the children of previous marriage were slightly different, bloody blah, blah, but it didn't actually ask for substantively new information. That's why you could use the old forms until you use them all up. But now there's new information and we need to be capturing that new information and it's really important. So that's why there's no grace period. Okay, so the pretty certificate, everyone's favourite yellow uh, shade of beautiful marriage certificate that we hold in such high esteem that we must get a 1,000 photos of as we hold it in front of us awkwardly, the Form 15, um, has that changed? Yes, that has also changed. Now, we can't obviously download copies of the Form 15 from the Attorney General's Department because you have to buy them from CanPrint because they're barcoded and they've all got individual numbers and yada, yada. All that has changed is that instead of saying underneath the signature line, bridegroom and bride, just it's literally blank underneath the signature line. It doesn't even have party one and party two. It's just blank. It still has the word witness under the witness signature lines. (laughs) It just has nothing under the party signature lines. So that's all that's changed. It's also a slightly more hideous shade of yellow than it was before. Um, But that's it. That's all that's changed. So you can continue to use your old form 15s, the one that say bridegroom and bride, if that is appropriate to the description of the couple. So it doesn't even have to be for a heterosexual couple. That can be for, for example, a lesbian couple where one of them wants to be groom and one of them wants to be bride. You can use your old Form 15 for that, no problem. But for uh, anyone else, you need to use the new one. And obviously as the old stock runs out, we won't be getting new stock that says bride and bridegroom. We'll just be getting the new stock that has that line blank. So you will we'll need to use the new stock in the future. Um, I obviously am a nerd and I rang up on Friday the 8th of December and ordered 50 new Form 15s, which arrived on Wednesday the 13th. 
which is really cool. So I have a stock of them. If anyone gets to a point where they have a same-sex marriage and they haven't received their new Form 15s yet, I'm more than happy to post them around the country to whoever needs one. It's totally fine. And I know there's a bunch of other people who can share them out as well because I suspect that with Christmas they might be low on stock and things like that, which is why I wanted to buy a bunch so that I had them on file if anyone needed one. So, yes, so you can use your old Form 15s if it's appropriate for the couple you're marrying, but if it's not appropriate, you need to use the new ones. And some celebrants are getting quite upset about the fact that they'll never again have something that says bride and bridegroom. And But what if my party wants it to say bride and bridegroom? Sorry, bad luck. It's funny. I, I posted a photo this morning on my Instagram of because um, I signed on an iPad and I posted a photo of one of my couples signing on an iPad. And I had a not even a wedding industry colleague. He's actually worked in the news in the news uh, media. And he replied, you know, some things shouldn't change. I'm like, yeah. God, man. It's really? amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. But that's just, you know, that's one of the sacrifices we make to have equality and quite Quite frankly, I can do without the words bride and bridegroom on the documents if it means we have equality. You can still use those words bride and groom in a marriage ceremony. You can still use those words in your script and all those sorts of things. There's nothing to say we're not allowed to use the words husband, wife, bridegroom, anything like that, as I did see somebody post in a group the other day. Uh, you, You can still use those words. We're not taking away words. We're adding other terminology and making it more equal. Anyway, that's the paperwork. So I just I just remembered a question that I wanted to ask earlier on um, because I read it in way too many news outlets. Um, has the notice period changed from one month to 28 days? Just 30, 30 days? days? No, oh, honestly. Oh, Did you see those articles, been, all these news articles? Not even the news articles, celebrants posting on their Facebook page. Guys, the notice period is one month, not 30 days. Oh, this has been breaking me a little bit every time I've read it, particularly because there was so much in the OPD compulsory this year about the one month period and what that meant. It's one month, not 30 days. And and do you, do you have hell every OPD with people? I thought it was 28 days or 31 days or a month and a day or anyway, that's another issue. It has not changed. It's still one month. Can we make a thing? Can this be like a celebrant talk show tradition uh, where we make a joke about that every year? Just some various points along our journey. Yeah, sounds great. Good. Awesome. Just like that's a little (laughs) in-joke. So from here on in, we're not going to explain the joke. We'll just drop it and listen to the podcast be like, cool. We know what that's about. Yeah. And we've been listening for long enough to know what that's about. Uh, Okay. Okay. So we've um, talked about the law changing, what the means for celebrants. We've talked about paperwork. Uh, Let's talk about actual ceremony. Um, And... Uh, would it be easy? Yeah, let's talk about the ceremony. Um, How has the ceremony changed? Sure. There are two major changes that have occurred in the ceremony. So the first change is that the monotum has changed. The monotum is the wording in Section 46 of the Marriage Act that explains the definition of marriage. Previously, it has said that marriage, according to law in Australia, is the union of a man and a woman. It now says... Marriage, according to law in Australia, is the union of two people. That's it. That's the only change to the monotum. The whole rest of it's the same. It still says to the exclusion of all others voluntarily entered into for life. Somebody asked me if we could now remove to the exclusion of all others because wasn't that talking about the exclusion of all other genders? Oh, and no, I said, okay, no, right. it wasn't to the exclusion of all others. It just other- means you can't have orgies. It's <laughs> an anti-orgy clause. It just, <laughs> it just means we don't do polygamous marriages in this country. And if, so it means that it's own, a marriage is only for two people, but it doesn't matter what gender those people are now. So that's change number one to ceremony. The other change for ceremony is the wording in section 45.2 of the Marriage Act, which is the vows that the couple must say to each other in order to be married. And all that's happened here is we've added a word. So where it used to say, I call upon the persons here present to witness that I name, take the name to be my lawful wedded wife or husband. It now says, I call upon the persons here present to witness that I name, take the name to be my lawful wedded husband or wife, or spouse. That's it. That's all. That's all that's changed. Literally. So we don't, we don't have to sacrifice snakes or anything like nope. that? Or- 
nothing. You can still say, I pronounce you husband and wife. You can still say, welcome to our bride and groom. You know, whatever you like. But you can now use some non-gendered language in the vowels so they can say spouse and anybody can choose to be spouse. It doesn't have to be as somebody who doesn't identify as male or female. Anyone can choose to be spouse. And uh, we have non-gendered language in the monotum. That's it. That's that's all. For For civil celebrants, that's all that has changed. We believe that religious marriage celebrants under Category D will also uh, have to state the new monotum and the the vows as lawful wedded wife or husband or spouse, whichever the party chooses to be. Now, a question that has come up for in OPD is why does it say spouse in the vows but partner on the notice of intended marriage? So on the notice of intended marriage, the the description thing says groom, bride or partner. In the vows, it says husband, wife or spouse. Now, my understanding is that the word partner implies not married, while the word spouse implies married. So we use the word partner on the notice of intended marriage because they're not married yet. But during the vows, which is when they become married, we use the word spouse. And that's also the difference between groom and husband. Groom implies not married. Husband implies married. Bride implies not married. Wife implies married. I said implies a lot then, and now the word implies is not sounding like a word anymore. Yeah, I think it's implies. <laughs> no. Anyway. No, right. I'm not too sure. I just made that up. I know you did. So that's why the difference, though, in the terminology, it's about the notice of intended marriage is filled out before you get married. The vows are when you get married. So that's why there's a difference. So that's it. That's all that has changed in the ceremony. Everything else is still exactly the same. You And some people are getting quite stuck on the pronouncement, which is where we used to always say, I now pronounce you husband and wife. People, Some people are getting very stuck on that. What do I say now? If it's a heterosexual couple, you should still go right ahead and say, I now pronounce you husband and wife. If it's a lesbian couple where one of them wants to be called groom, you can ask them, but they might want to still be, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You could, I now pronounce you wife and wife. I now pronounce you husband and husband. I now pronounce you married. That's controversial. I didn't say husband or wife at all. I just said, I now pronounce you married. But surely that would invalidate the marriage if you don't say the pronouncement correctly. Like we all know the pronouncement is the most important part of the marriage ceremony and it's included in the marriage act and the guidelines and the law. So surely that's important. No. <laughs> God, I'm no. an <laughs> Look, and look, some people, I, I know that some people get confused about that. The actual pronouncement is not a legally binding thing. You don't. Hang on, slow the train down. <laughs> what are you saying? We don't even have to pronounce them husband and wife. It's not part of the act. It's not required by the law that we at any point say, okay, now you're husband and wife. We don't have to do that. You're part of the gay agenda, aren't you? I totally am. So we don't have to do that. However, it's part of the theatre of a marriage ceremony. It's, It's the, you know, it's the, it's the point at which everybody claps and cheers because we say, hey, this couple has now transitioned into a new phase of their life and their husband and wife, and usually they have a pash sometimes. So it's part of the theatre. Ask your couple, what would you like me to introduce you as at the end? How would you like me to announce that you're married? Would you like me to say husband and wife, husband and husband? What would you like me to say? It's the same with the very end of the ceremony where we would often say, I present to you the newly married Mr. and Mrs. X. And people are getting stuck on that as well. What do I say? Ask your couple. It's as simple as that. How would you like to be introduced to your guests? Would you like to be the newly married Jim and Molly? Would you like to be the newly married uh, Mandy and Molly? Would you like to be the newly married Mrs. and Mrs. X? That's okay. Just ask them what they want. It's as simple as that. What about the um, the other very legal and important part of the marriage ceremony that is clearly, obviously defined well in the Marriage Act, um, where you would ask a question and they would reply with the words, I do? <laughs> as we all know, that is not a part of the Marriage Act. Stop the train. I know. I do is a church thing. It comes from the church tradition and 
you know, it is required in in most in most Christian ceremonies still that the priest or the pastor asks a question and the parties say I do. It's not required in the marriage act. Some couples feel weird about that because they're like, oh, but it's all in all the movies, so surely I have to say that. And that's okay if they want to say I do. They're perfectly allowed to, but they don't have to. The other important thing though, there though is that most both parties do have to say the vow, their legal vow in section forty five two. You can't make that into an into an I do question. So I can't ask the party, do you call upon the persons here present to witness that you take the other person to be your lawful wedded husband slash wife slash spouse and them say, I do. That's not allowed. The parties must make the statement themselves. They must say the vow themselves. Um, let me find anything else I can find that would be funny to say about this. I can't think of anything. <laughs> no, no more. No more. <laughs> <laughs> Most hated men in the marriage industry. Um, um, I like any other questions that have popped up in a Facebook group for you or anything like thing. I feel like we've covered most of the things that celebrants should know. I think we have. Um, so the, the great thing for us in Victoria is that Victoria BDM was all over it and they had made the changes to their online registration system within 12 hours, which was extraordinary and phenomenal. And I've never seen them move so fast. Uh, so those of us in Victoria are very lucky because we are still able to use our marriage celebrants online system. Um, however, those of you in the rest of Australia are still waiting, uh, to catch up. So look, the important thing is use the new forms, download the new forms. Yes, they're not pretty. Nobody cares what they look like. They're working documents. Just squish the information in as best you can. And as long as they're legible and BDM can see what you're trying to say, you're all good. Um, cool. Gosh, a lot has changed, Sarah. What a, what a brand new world we're walking into. I know. Massive. Now, if anybody does have questions about how to register as a religious marriage celebrant, we are going to have all the fact sheets and information in the show notes about so there's there's four or five different fact sheets we'll have links to all of those and we'll have the instructions about how you uh become a religious marriage celebrant if anybody is keen to go down that path i have already seen half a dozen people celebrants on facebook who have changed their facebook business name to be you know whoever religious marriage celebrant and have made a statement that i am now registered as a religious marriage celebrant um so i know that this is already happening and i know some people do feel very strongly about this which is absolutely fine and that's what this clause is for if so if you do have any questions about how to do that we'll have it in the show notes about how that all works um i i suppose i do want to end on the like we've mentioned a few times but uh the different systems that that you know and where they are on marriage equality paperwork ready because we mentioned the celebrant suite as of the 22nd of December um, I know that Ron and Ivan are working furiously at that and they, I, I know that they're in the Facebook group um, they mentioned that they had the NOIM section of the celebrant suite ready to launch and they wanted, they asked everyone um, do you want us to launch this so you can start doing NOIMs or do you want to get the whole system and was like, no, no, we'll wait. And I'm like, oh, okay. I felt awkward asking because everyone had been like, no, 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 we'll wait. I'm like, oh, fuck no. Give me the system now, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I didn't weigh in on that because I didn't I know. I already feel like enough of, enough of the celebrant world hate me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah, a bit amazing. Anyway, okay, but anyway, uh, sure. Queensland BDM um, on the, uh, I think the 7th, no, no, on the 11th of December, they said they'll be a week. On the 14th of December, they'll say a little bit longer. And um, and they, as of the 22nd of December, not ready. I know that Tracy and the team are going on holiday soon, um, so I'm assuming it's I, – I, it, you know what? It's it's not going to happen before oh, the new God, year. You, it's crazy if it doesn't. Uh, anyway, the Queensland BDM, and also a lot of people have asked about the Queensland BDM, how do they get access to that online system? And you just don't get it. It'll gonna, for people that aren't in the beta test, you might get in around February, March. I don't, it keeps on getting pushed back. Um, but the New South Wales BDM, uh, they aren't ready. And I haven't seen a statement from them yet as to when they will be ready. 
So I don't. They haven't. They haven't said. Uh, basically, if people contact them, they send an email saying, "Yeah, we're, it's very difficult, and there's a lot of records that we have to change, and it's taking us time, and we're not going to tell you when." Bless. Alrighty, um, Sarah. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you again. Always a pleasure, Josh. Welcome back from your holiday. Welcome back to the new world. Thank you. It was. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, it, it, the USA is one of my favorites. Like, despite the whole Trump land thing going on, it's a cool place to drive around. So, uh, it's exciting as uh, I, I know that our uh, top 10 tips episode went really well. People love that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting great feedback on that, which is really nice. So, please continue to send your feedback through hello at celebrant.fm. And of course, all the show notes and links and stuff can be found at celebrant.fm. Uh, we have had some emails with requests for future topics, uh, which are all being added to our topic list we're really thrilled to get all of those comments so please keep them coming through and i'll, I'll tell you the hot tip uh, people that send voice emails through like a, they'll record a voice memo on their phone and email that through you're probably going to slide to the top of the tip because that's really cool to include your question as a voice as opposed to me trying to pretend to be your voice so yeah, <laughs> yeah let's just, not have that just a little bit of like inside baseball there if you want to get your question answered send a voice totally. memo awesome <laughs> amazing sarah have yourself a spectacular christmas and a Happy New Year, and I'll catch up to you real soon. Sounds great. Thanks, everyone. See you later. This episode of the Celebrant Talk Show can be supported by you if you haven't got accounting software yet or if you're looking at getting something a little bit better, a little bit more pro, something that can take it to the level where you're like, yeah, I totally do not suck at business. Then FreshBooks is the accounting software for you. It's all completely online. You don't have to install an app or anything like that. You don't have to have a Mac or PC or you just install... FreshBooks by going to celebrant.fm slash FreshBooks. That's as most installing as you have to do. Uh, you uh, simply sign up on that link and you get 60 days of free trial. Don't need a credit card or anything. You just give it a shot. See if that's the accounting software for you. And if it is, then you just keep on using it. And here's the benefits. Invoices, they just get sent, sent out automatically. And the people just pay them because they can go click pay using credit card and the money just turns up in your accounts. No more of this. Oh, I can't believe this couple haven't paid me yet. Blah, blah, blah. All of those whinging the, or the whinges, if I may say about, uh, um, people paying you or not being paid or anything like that. They all go away when you start using a legit accounting software. That's like modern on the web, sending emails, getting credit card payments, like a boss and FreshBooks is definitely the accounting software that can do that for you. Sign up using the link celebrant.com fm forward slash fresh books get the free channel support the podcast you're a legend and uh sorry about my audio audio quality this episode i recorded with sarah away from my home office right now i'm in my home office where the audio quality is way better sorry 